0: I haven't seen Martin in a long, long time. I think the last time I saw it was, man, might have been back in the late 80s, early 90s. And I remember I knew the ending already. And this is a spoiler filled podcast. So if you haven't seen Martin, uh, not the Martin Lawrence, uh, popular Martin Lawrence miniseries, but the George A. Romero film, Martin. Um, so, I. I remember I knew the ending because I used to watch Tom Savini's Scream Greats, like, over and over and over and over again. And it it chronicled Savini's special effects, and one of them was at the end where uh, Martin gets the the stake through the heart. So I knew the ending of it. I I saw—I remember the highlights of it. So I remember seeing it as a kid. I, um— I wasn't that thrilled with it I, f- I think I found it boring because, or From what I remember, I found it boring Because I wanted another Dawn of the Dead I watched Dawn of the Dead so many times And I wanted all of Romero's movies To uh, to be like that But it wasn't Because, you know, it was a different movie And it was made before Dawn of the Dead So I um Now I'm 41 years old And I figured, well, let me give Martin another chance Um Especially since after Romero died, you know, you, you start to, well, not you, but I started to review, you know, look at interviews and started to, to, to think back on, on his other movies aside from the zombie trilogy. And I really wanted to give him another another go ahead because, like I said, I don't really remember him. And, and when you're a kid, you see movies differently. You look for different things. So when I was a kid, I looked for the gore that I saw so much of in Dawn of the Dead uh, that I wanted to see in Martin. So, and then I remember watching uh, Night Riders, which is another kind of forgotten Romero movie, and Romero said, next to Martin, Night Riders was, like, his his favorite movie. So, Night Riders, I'll do for another podcast. So, um... So I got Martin, I got it from the library, and my library's been been really good about getting movies. You know, I had to order from a separate library, but you know, they got it, so I didn't have to buy it. Uh so I watched it and I found it I found it cool in the fact that it's very low budget. You can tell it's guerrilla filmmaking. So kind of like how Night of the the Living Dead was. Uh, wasn't that big of a crew. And I and I watched like behind the scenes the commentary that came on the, the DVD. There was like maybe fifteen people, you know, in the cast and crew combined. But just the way it was shot, uh, the different angles. It, it was, you could tell it was low budget, but it was just it was had that, I guess, that early seventies vibe. And uh, just that independent kind of vibe. Um, just just the different angles. It wasn't like, uh, I guess, the way a traditional movie was shot. So that was cool. The special effects were, were cool. Well, special effects were, were actually fantastic because that was Savini's first special effects movie possibly ever, but definitely his first work with Romero. So just the scene where you know, Martin slashes the uh, the arm of his first victim... Um, just just that alone because Savini's uh, philosophy was, uh, at least back then, to use as much as the real person as possible. So, uh, that was really good. The the blood in it, and then Savini, you know, Savini was critical of the blood in Dawn of the Dead, but uh, and he was also critical of the blood in Martin, and, I mean, the blood doesn't look real. It looks like melted red crayon, and it wasn't until the Dick Smith formula, Dick Smith is a legendary, was a legendary makeup effects artist. Uh, he did The Exorcist. Uh, he had a blood formula that that, um, that looked great on camera. Savini's blood apparently looked great on stage but with all the lighting and everything it just it didn't look good on camera it looked like melted crayon melted red crayon so now let's just get to the plot the plot itself was very straightforward I expected uh, because I kind of knew what the movie was about a little more twists a little more I guess less straightforward um, you know it it didn't really. And maybe this was by design. It didn't go into was he really a vampire or was he not? Was he all in his head? He kind of left that open, which is fine. But I guess in the leaving it open, maybe he just left it too open. It was a little too straightforward. So I wanted to find out a little bit like that, uh, a little bit about that. But even if you know he wanted to leave it open, I guess it was too straightforward in the fact that he's, he kills people. He kills a bunch of people in it, and then, you know, there's a little hinting with the family about the family history, and then the next thing you know, he gets killed by his by his by his cousin. So it just everything I guess just kind of happened too quick. I guess maybe I wanted some layers in there, a little bit of more character build up, some some nuance. Maybe he could have had a foil with uh, a police officer or someone trying to investigate him. Maybe a, a little bit more conflict aside from his cousin, who you know suspected. Uh, that he was a vampire, so we never really found that out. Maybe a little more into the family history, um, if he was or if he wasn't. Maybe a little more into Martin's psyche. Even though you kind of got that with his the radio interview with the DJs, it just there was something missing. There was something about the Martin character that was lacking. Maybe it should, he could, it could have been fleshed out a little bit. Pardon the fun pun and fun. Woo, uh, fleshed out a little bit. Um, so it seemed that. The elements were there, but I just I just needed I just needed something more. Um, the acting was pretty good. Uh, John Amplis, who he was also in Day of the Dead, and then he also had quite a terrible role in in uh, Dawn of the Dead, where he played a uh, a Spanish guy. So they they painted his face brown. Romero actually used brown face in one of his movies. Uh, not not a good moment for Romero. Um, and then Amplus was also in Knight Riders. He played a mime. He didn't have any lines because he was a mime. But he had a good presence to him. He, like his, his facial expressions, how he was able to carry silence. He did that well. I guess when he did the, did the lines, it just seemed a little too i don 't know a little too local theater type, and maybe the the lines were kind of outdated in in that kind of kind of 70s way, like talking about doing it and talking about sex and you know that whole thing, um, but just overall a good performance. Um, and he was the main character, so it's someone to focus on, but he actually had a great look for for the Martin character. And you can tell that, you know, because it was low budget, Romero in some of the other roles, especially like some of the, the older women, you can tell that they weren't actors and they were just like screaming and yelling, yelling all all the lines. Um there there was a good um you can tell that the town I guess it was somewhere in, in Pennsylvania, some factory town. The, the town itself was a character in the movie, and, and I think Romero went at great, great length to uh, to make it like that. So when a parade happened in the movie, it was an actual parade, and Romero just shot it, and the townspeople were, were cool with it. You know, It's like probably a very small town, and they're going, hey, wow, a movie's being made, and this is post-Night of the Living Dead. So Romero did probably have um, a little bit of, of notoriety, but not... As that much notoriety, and the fact that uh, the budget had to be um, had to be kept low, I, I, I it probably wasn't until Dawn of the Dead that he got you know the higher budget and the budget and the budget he needed. So um, overall, it was all right. It, it doesn't rank. Amongst his classics, like the like the zombie trilogy or Creepshow, those are my my favorite uh, Romero movies. But you know, enjoyable. Like I said, kind of straightforward. I think these days, you know, I'm guess I'm more of a modern viewer. I expect, I, don't know, I guess, a little more of a gray area and maybe a little bit of a twist here and there. And this just kind of kind of came in. Just out of nowhere that he was that he was killed like that. I was like, oh my god, whoa! Just just like that, all of a sudden. Like I said, I knew the ending, but I didn't expect the ending to come like that. I thought there was going to be a little more build up. Um, and there was one more thing. Oh, and and Romero's themes about uh, and and this part I thought was good. Uh, old versus young. The new versus old. Uh, you know, this was in the 70s, so changes were happening, and it was the the young people who are now the baby boomers uh, taking over, telling the old people, hey, you've had your chance, it's time for us to take over. Kind of did a shitty job considering who's in office right now. But listen, back then, I guess they were a little more idealistic. And I don't mean to paint baby boomers with a broad brush. I, I am fully aware there are fantastic baby boomers out there um except they're not really represented uh the best in in government right now but but Romero's take on the young versus old uh the, uh, the rebel against the traditionalist and Romero was throughout his career or most of his career uh um def- definitely um much of a a rebel he always wanted to do things his way um and for the most part he did with very little compromise um with the exception of a couple of movies here and there you know he tried he tried his hand at the studio system and a lot of Romero's career was just you know a lot of just waiting around you know he would get approved for something he would get paid and just things for one reason or another just just weren't made so um I would recommend giving Martin a chance if you want, like, a good glimpse into low-budget filmmaking. Film, and by film, I mean really using film. I mean, Romero was a true lover of film, a true lover of, you know, physically editing, you know, slicing everything uh, by hand, and, and doing it that way. You can tell this was a labor of love, a lot, a lot of work was put into it, very unique shots, cinematography, uh, cin- cinematography. You know, cinematography-wise, uh, it's been a long day. Um, so, so, so those parts were good. Good, low budget, low budget, but good. I say, give it a chance. Uh, don't expect too much. Uh, don't expect to be blown away. And maybe in the '70s, especially with the special effects, they were probably very much taken aback by uh, by the effects they saw. I don't know if this was before, or after The Exorcist, because Romero's character mentions the the Exorcist. George Romero is actually in the movie, and he mentions The Exorcist in it. So I would imagine it was before The Exorcist. Let me just check on the year of the movie. Um, Oh, my God. I I put Martin – yeah, Martin was 1978, and The Exorcist, I believe, was 1973. Let me see if I can spell Exorcist right. Exorcist was 1973. So this was before – Exorcist was before Martin, so the special effects in Exorcist were were quite unreal. But I think uh, you know the the effects that were in Martin uh, uh, kind of rival it, especially you know the the wrist slashing scene. Definitely, it, definitely watch it now, and it's like ooh. Even though you know how it's done, it's still ooh. And especially since th- there was kind of a flub at the beginning where where John Amplis didn't get the whole wrist; he kind of got a little of it because not all the blood came out, so it kind of looks like he there was, uh, you know, you had to dig deeper into the wrist. So, um, and then, you know, because it was in the 70s, I guess Martin was used to, he was able to cover his tracks in an easier way. I guess this was before DNA and forensic evidence. And after Martin was killed, he was buried in the backyard. I guess no one was going to miss him. So uh, I guess you were able to get get away with murder. At least in 70s film lore, uh, you were able to get away with murder back then. So uh so yeah so uh you will be getting away with murder if you don't share and comment on this podcast so please do uh, uh, you can uh find me Mike Lane on Twitter I'm at mike lane act that's m a k e l a n e a c t on Twitter I'm at mike lane actor on Facebook you can email me at mike lane act at yahoo.com and uh, please rate, comment, and share this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. All right, everybody. So until next time, take it easy. Bye.